What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. Mark Sherry, pastoral candidate. And we have a guest with us today. He was ready to roll. He feels like an expert, uh, a novice of such. Um, but we're really excited. We don't have Pastor Gary here with us. He's traveling back with his family um, from the, is it the Smoky Mountains down yeah. in Tennessee? Ga- I don't Gatlinburg? Think he no. Was, where's he going? He actually, yeah, Nashville. he wasn't really in the Smokies. He's the city boy. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, but anyways, so we figured we'd uh, get the next best thing uh, <laughs> to come and join us. What's your name, brother? Simon Bartos, pastoral candidate. That's right. And this is your first time on the podcast. It is. Well, I think I called in once, but actually being here. Really you did. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, I, yeah. I held the phone Just up to brief. you, and I think we deleted that episode. So, this so hopefully this one will make the tainted. cut. We need to have a confetti come down on people for like special guests and videotape it. Yeah. To celebrate them. So it's nice, um, you know, Pastor Simon, as well as Pastor Mark, um, are both bivocational. Um, Pastor Gary really is too, you know, with the daycares and yeah. you know everything he does. He's been in, in school a lot, um, but particularly you two, your work schedules, you know, me and Pastor Gary are like hanging out all the time without you all and doing all kinds of fun things when you guys are working. But yep. um, to be able to have you here, you got the week off. And yep. um, so tell us what you do. What's your day job? I am a You might need to speak here. up too. I'm a civil engineer. Um, I do a lot of uh, underground modeling for water pipes, sewage and storm pipes on the computer. So you model underground with underground pipes? things. No, I'm in my basement underground modeling on my computer for underground pipes. So if you all ever have like sewage backup problems, Pastor Simon's your guy. You can come and fix that problem. <laughs> not actually. That's not how that works. No, I'm. You don't like come in city, with a snake and no, like counties, no districts, sewer districts. To actually contract with them? Design, uh, well, yeah, yeah, we get contracts. Yeah, we have to bid for contracts. Yeah, because you all are um, used by the government, right? Yeah, we're, we're a private firm, but we, we, you know, we work with government, so. Yeah, awesome. How do you like working for the government, working with the government? It's good. No, it's, it's good. Government okay. man here. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. All right, so um, we've got you on. Um, what are three interesting things uh, you would like the people to know about yourself? Oh, um, I'm really into Pokemon. I'm really into, um, okay. uh, I don't know, a lot of sci-fi. And I really like to read, but I don't have a lot of time to do so. So that's something I wish I could improve, improve on. But so who's, who's better, Charmander or any of the other ones that I don't know? What's a Charmander? That's a Pokemon. That's, I is that like, like from like Lord of the Rings? <laughs> he's like second <laughs> best. He's, who's best? Charizard. Charizard. Pikachu, yeah. of course. Oh. I think like 75% oh, Pikachu, yeah. of Pokemon fans would say Charizard. My kids also love Pokemon. Yeah, it's good. Multi-generational. Yeah? yeah. So one of the, the coolest things, um, or more unique things about you, uh, you like to read, sure, um, but you like to listen to things. And not only do you listen to things like podcasts or audiobooks or just um, short snippets on YouTube of you know people teaching, uh, you listen to it um, at a faster speed. <laughs> so, uh, I know like we'll send you a, a video to watch and you'll watch it in half the time. And it doesn't really make sense and then I find out that you watch it at two times the speed. Yeah. So how's that work for you? It'll be a 10 minute video and I'll respond to his text in five minutes and he's like, you didn't read. You, well, you said that you're a pretty good like, listener when you're following along. Do you listen to my message at two times the speed and when it's going like super fast and we're talking about all kinds of different points of theology and I'm preaching through Acts and do you wish I would speak a little bit faster because your ears have been coming. Weighty things. Weighty I can't things. Even <laughs> That was good. It was almost like an auctioneer. <laughs> Weighty things I normal have to normal speed to really process. So. Yeah. 
but I'll listen to like, if I have like three hours a day where I have my AirPods in and I'm listening to, I'll listen to six hours of content in my three hours, so can really keep up with the world. Wade, Wade Trim knew that. <laughs> no, <laughs> my, well, I'm doing chores and things like that. I'm you walking do around. Six hours of chores a day? No, like, no, three hours we'll of. We'll talk to Lauren about this. <laughs> Actually, we'll talk to Gary. <laughs> See what Gary has to say. Oh, my goodness. You know, we what, was, sit, what was we, it Gary would say? Uh, if I wanted to do, a, do chores, why don't I get why married? Why don't I get married? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's a joke, by the way. Uh, Total joke. It's totally not true either. Or maybe, I don't know. No, they just pay people. We. We three here do chores, but but Gary just pays people, so that's true. Yeah. So, anyways, Christmas Eve service was phenomenal. Um, it was a great uh, wrap to the Book of Ruth. Um, you asked if I was going to ask any mystery questions. It's not really a mystery question, um, but spontaneously came to me. What was your all's favorite part of the Book of Ruth? Particularly this time. So I know the three of us have probably read Ruth. Um, numerous times. It's an easy book to get through. If you want to feel good as a Christian, like read the Bible. Oh, I got through a whole book. Would you read Ruth? You know. Um, so, so for for me, uh, there are many favorite parts, but I think the one observation that I love the best about it is it starts with death and it ends with life, and that is essentially you know the entire creation story mm-hmm. uh, and the life of a Christian. So it starts with the death of Elimelech, Malon, and Chilion, and then. It, it's you know the um, the great 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 grandfather of the Christ is born, and that is the promised hope. So yeah. that's probably one of my favorite aspects about it. Yeah, I, I think that was by far like my favorite part this time, just going through because there's a lot that you could take out of the, the Book of Ruth, um, but particularly looking at that and the redemption, especially in chapter four when you start to see it like really play out. It's like happening. It's like redemption in motion. Like right um, and. I loved that that piece of like really the Gentiles mm-hmm. in chapter four because the the one the first redeemer didn't want her he wanted the land um, but he didn't want her um, initially so it went on to to Boaz so obviously there's no other redeemer um, but the view of the Gentile people mm. is unclean and outside of, of of God's people right and that was a clear um, depiction. Of, of the Gentiles being saved by the Redeemer Christ mm. Jesus our Lord. So I thought that was just really good. And I hope that point was was made clear because that that's the hope that we have. It's, I mean, the reality of it is a lot of us are not Jewish, right? right? So like, you know, we still would consider that, you know, think about that like from like the law and like the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. Like you're not outside of God's people um, if you're within... Um, uh, Jesus, right? I'm, I'm trying to think of like a way to the say covenant. that, but like the covenant, yeah. So, because of Jesus, we can be reconciled back to the Father, which is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, to build off of what uh, Mark was saying about like, beginning with death and ending in, in life, but then for Ruth's sake, it wasn't just for the sake of Ruth that she was redeemed, but like it ends with like, blessed be the Lord and let his name be renowned. Mm-hmm. Just like for his glory, like ultimately, like yeah, it's great that she ended up married to Boaz, but at the same time, it's like what you know. Ultimately, this glorifies God. This brings him glory. It makes him known. I think it's cool, like tie that in. Like through like, her obedience. The ultimate, yeah, the yeah. ultimate. What what this accomplishes like, oh, yeah. for the Lord's name. So. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's so what she, she was doing all of that for. Like you know, she was obeying God. You know, like I, I talked to somebody, they were like, "How do you know she was obeying God?" And I'm like she forsook mm. everything and then Boaz even said like the Lord repay you 
um, I think that's in chapter two, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. he literally says that, like, may you know, the Lord bless you and, and repay you for all that you've done. Um, so there's an acknowledgement, like they see that she, especially being a foreign woman, uh, that she was a, a worthy and a noble woman. Um, like those kind of words, like they mean something. A lot of times we'll, we'll just throw things like adjectives out there to describe people. Um, but in the Bible, you really have no like, um, unmarked shot, like just, just shots that just, you know, words that have no meaning or carry no implication. Like it all means something like, and for her to be called a noble or worthy woman, um, meant that she was a godly woman. Um, you know, like particularly what's the proverb. Um, a lot of the commentaries kept comparing her to yep. that and like proverb that. 31. And, and there, there was even like wording and, um, and the Hebrew word that Boaz used for her actually tied into the proverb. Right. So like he saw her as that woman, yep. which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Especially then, for a foreign woman, like that's really this, cool. yeah, like this isn't her thing, right? Like this isn't something she grew up with. She wasn't raised in this. She was raised in a pagan home, pagan land, pagan people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was the the word for a worthy man, and I don't know if it was the exact same, but it, it meant like a man of status, of wealth, of success, and and honor. So he was a worthy man too. Uh, so should we should we be teaching uh, our the women of our church to propose to the men, and then should we replace engagement rings with six measures of barley? That would be a lot cheaper. It would be a lot cheaper. <laughs> I mean, I see a win-win here, being a man. Come by. Um, I've got no comment. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to be mean. Um, no, I'll say it. I think. Uh, I. I do think it's interesting, um, particularly today, since you're bringing it up, like men that won't commit mm. like I think when you see a godly woman not like the beautiful and not like the they're meeting and checking your boxes a unless your boxes the Lord yeah oh man like yeah vain. put a ring on it yeah. so Boaz I believe would have mm. but it's interesting because in the commentaries they, they talked about this too he already knew about her yeah she's in his field right. he's protecting her but then he says, you know, you haven't gone after your younger man. It seems as though he expected her to do that. Like, yeah. all right, like I'm out of, she's out of my league. Mm-hmm. And so like when she did kind of show, and maybe in modern day terms, like flirt. So like if you've got a godly woman flirting with you, right. you drop down to a knee uh, with the <laughs> right biggest the, the, the biggest ring you your pockets can afford. After Let her know you love her. Background check and other similar <laughs> checks. I don't know, man. Just go for it. She'll be sanctified later. <laughs> So, uh, anyways, today we're going to be talking about uh, two things, so make sure you stick around for both, but we're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions, and we're getting back into uh, TULIP, uh, the Doctrines of Grace, and we're on to the L, which is what? Limited Atonement. Okay, Limited Atonement. A, Jinx. Particular Redemption. Okay. Specific Salvation. So, uh, we've talked about in the past that these are building blocks. you can you can read John Piper's book uh, Five Points, and I think he he starts with a different point. And it might be this one. Um, in his book, he actually doesn't go in the order of T U L I P. Um, I can't remember which one he starts with, but anyways, I, I do think that they're good building blocks. He's got a reason for putting one before the other. Um, but uh, the first one was total depravity of man. Uh, basic recap. You can go back and listen to to the whole episode, um, just pause this and go back and listen. But total depravity of man means that uh, we are incapable of saving ourselves. We 
as Jonathan Edwards says, we bring attribute nothing to our sal salvation except for the sin that made it necessary. Um, then we got to the U, which is unconditional election, that um, we don't do anything to earn our salvation. Um, God's uh, election is unconditional. He didn't look into the future and see that Pastor Simon was going to be a good old boy and, you know, like that would be worthy of saving. Um, didn't see that we would be preachers and say, oh, yep, I can save them. No, it is by his grace and his doing alone before any work was done. Um, and again, you can go back and listen to those. Today is limited atonement. If you could give a brief summary of this um, and another way of uh, saying it's particular redemption, which you heard Pastor Simon and Pastor Mark say. So yeah. a brief summary. So, so brief summary, and you have to set it in the context of controversy because that's really where it comes from. It comes from the Reformation, uh, predominantly where it was taught. People before that, Christians before that had taught it, but uh, just to boil it all down, sum it up, uh, did Jesus die for every human being from Adam to the last person, or did he die for his people uh, specifically? And, and that's, that's what it comes down to. Particular redemption teaches that the death of Christ was an actual atonement. Everybody believes in limited atonement, whether an application or the hypothetical uh, option of it but basically that Christ died specifically designed for his church, for his bride, for his sheep, for those he would come to save and who would be saved. So you would say that Jesus did not die for everyone? Correct. Okay, so before you click pause, delete our podcast, <laughs> uh, we do understand that this is something we wrestle with. Um, these are difficult things, particularly this point I think is is aggravating to many people um, because we've got a lot of misconceptions. Um, I want to go ahead and, and address the first misconception, and that is that um, that not all people um, can believe. So if he only died for certain people, then like, what's the point of evangelism? Which really all of Calvinism wraps itself around this. Like at least the the adversaries of it um, is okay. Well, then if that's the case, then what's the point? We're not saying that people cannot come to faith. We're not saying that um, if someone comes to the altar and says, um, I want to surrender my life to Christ, we'd be like, oh, sorry, we're out of blood. Like, right. you know, there's only yeah, enough blood to go around. That's why you all would say particular redemption, um, right. because it, it really addresses the, the precision of his death, burial, and resurrection for his people. Um, so that, that to, to me, is like the biggest controversy. Is it, it really starts to get into... Um, who he died for and like what he came to accomplish tied into evangelism so like well then like if he only died for some people then like what's the point well and you think you think about it every christian believes in a limited atonement it's how they limit it <clears throat> you will either limit it in its scope or its power mm -hmm. so the calvin uh the, the arminian limits its power and it's as if they paint uh, a bridge that is very broad that goes halfway across to the other end the Calvinist says, no, um, we're going to limit the scope, not because we do, but because the scriptures are clear about that, uh, that is more narrow. It's still incredibly broad. By the way, I do believe that more will be saved than lost. I know not everybody here might agree with that. That's okay. Yeah, I disagree, but... Yeah, that's, that's right. okay. Uh, but they, they say... Why do you that, believe that? Uh, because there are, uh, Christ came to save the world, that... Um, God is going to win in the end numerically. There will be an innumerable host of, uh, of individuals of every tribe, tongue, and nation 
um, and I see I see that God's salvation is broad in history. And the one text that would be used against it was for that particular audience. <laughs> and I think I can demonstrate that. But in, in any case, so so the Calvinist says, mm-hmm. no, the bridge is narrower, but it goes all the way across. Whereas the Arminian says, you have to build the rest, the rest of the bridge with your faith, something you need to add to that salvation for it to be applied to you. There's a man who said at one point in history, the road is narrow and there are few who find it. Yes. I didn't say that. Who, who do you say that to? Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, it's just those are words out of his mouth. So. Yeah. Man, also, God so was. loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever <laughs> believes. Oh, uh, so you're... <laughs> so, <laughs> so real quick, I, I just want to disperse the myth of Calvinists not being evangelistic right. um, and then build on your point. Um, we all agree, even here, I've, I've got like a plethora of verses um, about evangelism. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Um, we often talk and, and have talked about, especially with these points, is there's no yellow painted line across people's forehead that says this person's going to believe. Um, and the command from God himself, Jesus, right, says go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Uh, Matthew also says go therefore make disciples of all nations. Um, Romans says, uh, Romans 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and it's saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Um, so on and so forth. Uh, some of the, the greatest evangelists you've you've ever heard of, you didn't know, but they are probably Calvinists. I mean, Acts 29 is a great Reformed church planting network, Reformed being Calvinist, um, and they absolutely are out there evangelizing, uh, sending missionaries across the world, planting churches across the world here in the States. So um, there's no reason to believe that, that Calvinists just like live in room. Now, there are people like that that take it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not talking about the extremists who are wrong, by the way. Right. Um, we're talking about everyday life as a believer, uh, holding to this truth and going out and living by the command of God. Um, so, and if I if I get yeah. since Gary's not here, I have to cut you off to make up for that gap. That's I was already done, <laughs> so, so it wasn't even a cut off. Well, wow, I'll beautiful. To, I'll have to salvage the next. You're wonderful. One. So, so talking about people who believe this in history: Augustine, Luther, Calvin, all the reformers, most of them. Uh, then you have Spurgeon, Whitfield, uh, William Carey. I mean, the the world's greatest evangelists have been Calvinists who have believed in particular redemption. And I don't think I don't think it's something that dissuades someone from evangelizing. I think it encourages us to evangelize. Why do I want to go out and evangelize if if it's up to that person to make a decision? If it's up to them, I know they're dead in sin. I know my sin nature. I would never receive this apart from the grace of God. So I have a security from Christ that I am going to go out there and preach and people will be saved. He has called a people to himself and I can go proclaim this message knowing that they will believe and be saved because he died for them. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, Totally agree. That's a good word. So... Um, one of the things you said, I think, is also where some of the confusion and controversy comes in, uh, Pastor Mark, and that is, uh, you said, more people will be saved because it says that he came to save the world. Right. 
if he came to save the world but only died for a particular people, how do you reconcile that? So the word world has eight different uses in the New Testament, and often it is between Jew and Gentile. So uh, I'll tell you my short story. When I, before I became a Calvinist, I was what they call an Amarildian. Uh, by the way, I made that joke at the Christmas Eve party. No one got it. It was, what's the Amarildian's favorite Christmas song? No L. But now, now you hopefully have gotten it. No, uh, no L, no limit atonement. <clears throat> well, I, I was an Amarildian. I believed in only four of the points. And I really struggled with this point. And I had been studying it for months. Got confused. And I said, you know, I'm putting away all the theology books. I'm just going to read my Bible. And I then read Luke 2. And in Luke 2, it says... In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, is that the entire world from, from Adam to the very last person to live? No. Is that the entire globe? No. That's that known world at that time. And then I got down to verse 10. Uh, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of, a, of great joy there will be for all the people. So it is, it is without distinction, but not without exception. So that, again, it's context. That word world has to be put within its context. Is he talking about between Jew and Gentile? Is he talking about a particular region? Um, so I, I think that is pretty clear when you look at context. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's helpful to, like, know that because I, I do think that a lot, again, a lot of the controversy and tension here um, comes from maybe a misunderstanding of that. Right. Um, but then, like, would you you say like that applies even to like John um, one twenty nine, where uh, John the Baptist the next day says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Yeah. And the propitiation not of our sins only, but also for the world. Yeah. So for, first, there, there were th I think there are really three passages. That John John one twenty nine is a good one, but uh, let's let's look at First John two. You mentioned that one. Uh, verse 1, my little children. So who's he writing here? Is he writing to unbelievers? No. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay, so you, you have to, this word propitiation means satisfaction of God's wrath. So, if you're going to say that this whole world means every single human being from Adam the last person, then you have to say that God's wrath has been propitiated, it's been dissipated, averted from those people, which the scriptures are clear does not. First John chapter 5 says that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Is the whole world under the sway? So he's using different ways, and, and I think this is, um, I don't want to get ahead of us here, but I the, the, one of the best books on this topic is The Death of Death and the Death of Christ by John Owen. Very long read, very complicated, but uh, I, I'll see if I could shorten it. He says here, the Father imposed his wrath due unto, and uh, the Son underwent, underwent the punishment for either, one, all the sins of all men, two, all the sins of some men, or three, some of the sins of all men. And he goes through this, this logic, and he says here, all right, let's look at this. Um, if the last is true, and the last is that some of the sins of all men have been paid for, um, all men have some sins to answer for, 
and so none are saved. Uh, that if the second be true, then Christ in their stead suffered for all the sins of all the elect in the world, and this is the truth, or three, but if the first be the case, why are not all men free from the punishment of their sins? And then he talks about unbelief, but ba basically, um, you, you, it's, it's kind of like a double jeopardy thing. So you cannot be convicted of the same crime that you are then freeze from. So, so uh, you ever see the movie Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd and, all right, so this lady is accused of murder. Uh, she's sentenced to jail and then she is released. The guy ends up being alive. He, he faked his murder. And so she's able to kill him and not be charged with the same crime twice. So if Christ died for the sins of every single individual in the earth of all time, then their sins are paid for. And, and I had actually, when I was witnessing a person, when I was an Amaraldian, I said, uh, Jesus died for you. And without hesitation, they said, then, then I'm going to heaven. I said, well, do you believe? They go, no, I don't believe. I said, well, then you're not going to heaven. They said, no, if Jesus died for me, then my sins are paid for. And they, they caught me off guard. And I was like, whoa. And they were right. I, they, they were 100% right. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's why we put that conditional in evangelism. If you believe, if you repent, then your sins are covered and you can be free. Yeah, yeah. So like, changes um, things. Yeah, like we, we like lead with that. And it's like, you don't even have to. Like you can, you can give a much better understanding because like Jesus came so that you could have life, right? Like could, like so it is contingent on faith, and we've already talked about like that faith is a gift granted to you. But like it, that whole idea that like it's almost like this persuasion. It's like it's so beautiful that he died for you. Don't you want to believe? And it's like at that point we're just trying to persuade people, right? Which would you know like it goes into like what Paul said like um, I didn't come with lofty speech, you know, plausible words of wisdom, so that the cross wouldn't be emptied of its power. So like. When we do things like that and we have tactics like that, it's emptying the cross of its power. And I believe like God, like many of you all maybe were, uh, led to the Lord that way, um, that are listening, um, as maybe a lot of us were, really. Um, so I'm not saying that like that's not used. I just think it's a improper understanding and, and not really the best tactic. So um, if tactic's even a thing, you know what I mean? Like when it comes to evangelism, tactic is just go out and, and proclaim Right. the gospel to all creation, right? Like, that's what we're told to do. Um, there was something you said I wanted to hit. Oh, yeah. So if if he died for everyone, you're, what you said is true, then then his blood's applied to everybody, the wrath of God satisfied, everybody goes to heaven. Um, then the question is, like, then what is the point of evangelism? Right. Right. Yeah. And then... Everybody's saved. And that goes to universalism. Um, you've got those churches. We've got one here in, in Medina, the mm -hmm. Unity Church. And um, I don't know where they meet or really what they do, but um, they're not alone. There's a huge following with this. They believe uh, everybody's going to be saved. Yeah, Rocky River um, or Bay Village. I think Rocky River has a huge one, like very, very big, uh, big following. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just it's an improper understanding. And at that point, it's like, what are, what are you even doing? Like, really, a lot of this goes back to, like, our churches. Like, what are churches doing? Like, our, our view of ecclesiology, like, right, the doctrine of the church. Because the whole point of us worshiping is for what? God's glory. Yeah. But, like, if, if, everybody, if everybody's sins paid for, it doesn't matter. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are right. you glorifying him for? Like, there's, there's, no, there's no wrath, really, that's been satisfied. or any, Like, I just can't get over that. Like, in my head, I'm like, everybody's 
wrath, like the wrath has been satisfied for all people. And like as I say it too, it just doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm just talking about it, and it just like gives me a headache. Like I embrace this so much faster than than universalism. Like the, the thought that like he died for everybody. Now, what do you think, Simon, is the biggest contention for people when they hear that Jesus didn't die for everyone? It's unfair. Unfair. From a from a fleshly perspective, it's completely unfair. So, what do you uh, think people would say makes it unfair? The fact that that from their viewpoint that that person never had a chance that God God did indeed create vessels of wrath to demonstrate the side of his justice uh, that is uh, you know fairness to punish the wicked um, and then that person that never had a chance so it's not fair yeah so like you know I, I think that this was one of the first points which is funny because it's one of the points that's like rejected like you'll hear of like five point Calvinist or like four point Calvinist Right. And they will often like, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in limited atonement. Um, but this was like one of the first ones I embraced, um, like wholeheartedly. I was like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and I think what you're saying, Simon, is yeah, it's not fair. Like he, he died for someone else, but not for me. But the death of Jesus wasn't just a death; it was, it was an accomplishment. Substitution. Yeah. yeah. So like, when you look at it, like, like sometimes we think like Jesus took the bullet for us. And it's not like a bullet where he just jumped out at it like recklessly, like taking right. a bullet for you. It was precise, um, and it was Personal. atoning. Yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah, it was the propitiation for the sins of his people. Um, and we oftentimes just miss that, like completely uh, miss the fact that, like, what we're saying is that his um, his death, right? His his death on the cross um, was precise, and that he was paying for. Uh, the sins of his bride. There the was a design. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of going back to the definition of what we've discussed before, you and me, Michael, is, um, and, and what a lot of people who explain limited atonement would put it as Christ's blood was uh, in value or in uh, merit, mm -hmm. it was valuable enough for all sin. In, in, but yes, with in regards fact. to efficiency in right. who it applies to, it's efficient for his people. Right. And, and and so that's it's very particular to his people and it's clear throughout scripture because right. people do go to hell yeah well, here, explain here, here's, here's a good question uh, for, for the listeners did Jesus die for Pharaoh so Pharaoh had been in hell so when Jesus came did Jesus die in the place of Pharaoh or uh, we know Cain is also in hell did while Cain was in hell and Jesus came to die on the cross, did Jesus substitutionarily die for someone who was in hell? I don't know how you get around that. You you can't, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't go left or right on that one. You just have to admit. Again, I no, think it's just like an not. evangelism tactic, like why we stick to this. is like, you know, we, we don't want to tell people that Jesus didn't die for them. But I think, again, changing your perspective is like Jesus came so that humanity would have a way I mean like literally he's he's the way yeah and he makes it clear but like Old Testament and new alike understand that it was always faith in the Messiah and if you had no faith in the Messiah you had no hope in an eternity you know being reconciled back to the Father like they longed for that in the Old Testament and we look back at it here in the New Testament and when you look at the cross you don't just look at a simple death like one of you guys doing a favor it was it was by design 
right. it, it had purpose. Um, Jesus, if I could just br briefly, the, the substitutionary part, yeah. um, if you really believe it is substitutionary, and this is, this is why there are consistent Arminians, and they will have read books by consistent Arminians that say that Jesus' death was not substitutionary. I mean, think about that. He is in the place of that person suffering for their sins. So if you do not, if you do believe that Jesus died for everybody to be consistent, you can't admit to the penal substitutionary death of Christ, which the Bible is explicit about over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Jesus says this, right? Straight from his words. Um, John 17, 9. Again, I'm reading through a list. I've got it here. You can, you can look it up on Google um, or just open up to, to John because there's a lot of references here. Um, John 17, 9. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. This one's interesting. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. John 10, 15, just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Mm -hmm. uh, John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Um, John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In contrast to the Pharisees, who were not his sheep, he turned them and said, you are not my sheep. And when you put that into contrast of all the Bible verses that seem to, to push the universalist perspective of dying for the entire world, meaning every single individual human, you have to, to integrate those verses. Well, if we know that to be true, you know, that God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, but you have to marry that with scriptures that are limiting. And so these, these scriptures here are limiting this to his sheep and so how can both of those be true it would be the context of the verses that seem to explain universalism or push that idea it's that uh you know one is more general one is more specific and so how can both of them be true well you you marry the two and you see that that um, he died for his sheep yeah ephesians 5 25 you know you get the picture of, of marriage and what does paul say there husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, the sacrifices for the church. Um, so I, I really do think, so like we've hit the scriptures, I don't know what else you guys want to say, but I, I think that this just changes your evangelism. It doesn't make yes. you stop evangelizing. It just, it should lead us to a place where we're saying, hey, look to the cross and look at what Christ did for his people. That if you believe in him, because of what he did, right, you can be reconciled back to the Father. Right. Um, and, and again, it goes in, like I say this a lot, and I think it probably bugs people, but, um, you know, like not everyone's a child of God. And it really, I know it just rubs people wrong, and it's because American Christianity's been saying it for so long. It's like everyone's a child. And I remember this argument I got into, or this, this girl confronted me when I was sharing the gospel um, with a family member. And no, everybody's a child of God. And I'm like, well, then what is adoption, right? Like when we start looking at all of the scriptures, um, we, we understand that we're adopted into the family of God. Well, you don't need to be adopted if you're already a part of that family, right? Like the, the, um, the son, the prodigal son, um, he wasn't adopted in. He was, he's embraced back into the family. Like he he'd departed right. for yeah. some time, but he came back. Um, but like a, adoption, like again, it means something. And it means that you weren't a part of the family. Um, now, you can be part of the family by faith in Christ Jesus. Um, but until you've believed unto him, uh, then your sins have 
I mean, yes, they were paid, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But it's like one of those already not yet. He paid it, and as people come to faith, then like you can look at them in their eyes when they say, I believe in the gospel, you can say, Jesus paid for your sins. Isn't that awesome? But like, but trying to draw people in, like I think that's really interesting that you were sharing the gospel with that guy, and he said, well, then I don't need to do anything. Yeah. Like the so fact that lady, he picked up on he, it. He, he picked, he, it was a lady, she. It was like, yeah, she, she like put me in my place. Intelligent, intelligent yes, woman. Fair. I mean, seriously, like yep. that's, and again, it doesn't change evangel. Like it doesn't change it in the sense right. that you are to do it. Um, but it tells us that like Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection was precise. It yes. was the payment of sins, uh, the the sins of his people, um, because eternity is going to be paid by the others. Right. And can I jump in for because I feel as though it hasn't been addressed, like the unfairness of it, right? So, like to put it in like to the logical perspective. This goes back to the first two points of like total depravity. So like people who say it's unfair, well, Jesus gave the parable of the workers who all earned the same wage regardless of the hour they came in. And he said, it's none of your business, basically. Paraphrasing, it's not not your concern regarding what other people's wages are. And so we know that we're all depraved. And so by default, we all deserve death. Yes. And so, if, if it were put into that perspective, everyone's with you until you get to that, when you get to that point. It's like, well, we, we're all sinners, we're all depraved, we're all deserving of death, and everyone can agree on that. But then the moment that you say that, that God redeemed his people and not those who are destined for hell, it all of a sudden becomes unfair. Well, Jesus addressed that, not only that, um, but it's, um, it's from our perspective of like time moving on and like people having a chance to give themselves um, you're actually undermining the other points of Calvinism because you, your your faith is e- either in the the decision of man to give his life. Um, we all believe in limited atonement. Let me back up. Arminians and Calvinists both believe in limited atonement. We all we we both believe that there are people who are going to hell. Um, the Arminians like to view it a different way because they can't reconcile certain scriptures, um, so then they go the inconsistent route. But um, the, the point I'm getting at is that uh, regardless of the fact that we all deserve death, it's no one's business uh, what Jesus does for his people. Um, and I forget where I was going with that. There's a great point I was going to make. Maybe I'll just pop right back Lo- in. Logic about the, the unfairness, unfairness of it. Um, yeah, everyone follows with you and then they think it's unfair that God would redeem his people. But that ultimately, if you think that's unfair, then what you're putting your faith in, this is what I was going to say, what you're putting your faith in is your faith in a person's decision. Right. You, be- yes. you believe that, that salvation rests on the individual person's decision, and, well, they didn't have a chance to make that decision, right? And so you're undermining the rest of the points of Calvinism uh, because you don't have faith that God is sovereign over salvation, that salvation begins with Him, that He's the one that draws all men. It's very clear in Scripture that faith, salvation, grace, it all begins with Jesus. He, he makes us alive, and in response we have faith, uh, and that grace is applied to us, but it's in His hands. It begins with Him. It ends with Him. And and to deny limited atonement, it, it's it's typically because of the inability to accept that God is sovereign over salvation. That there's a, there's the well, we didn't give everyone the chance right. to believe. Right. And the, and it's because it, it's bred in the foundation of believing that salvation's in man's hands to begin with. Yeah, and that's why I said it's a building block. I mean, <clears throat> really going back to the first two points is because it, it, it builds and it builds and it builds. Um, you know, I mean, we could go back to, to the unconditional election part where you read in Romans 9 
uh, Paul talks about Jacob and Esau uh, be before they'd done anything good or bad. I mean, Paul's very clear on that. Like, mm -hmm. if there's like any kind of thing where it's like, oh no, like he knew like they were gonna do good. I mean, it says as clear as day before either of them had done good or bad. Right. Uh, he chose Jacob. Um, and then he, he goes on and he says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? He doesn't leave it open-ended. He says, by no means. Um, so I, I think the, the whole fairness of God, again, comes from our finite minds trying to reconcile um, the infinite God. I mean, really, I, yeah. I do. And, instead of just drawing to the scriptures and saying, like, all right, God, this is your plan. This is your purpose. Um, use me as you will to go and evangelize so that your people may be saved. Right. Well, and to, like, compare outcomes. Like, yeah. well, well, why does he get that outcome? Well, and then, yeah. like, but, it's like that's, but even, like, why did you get your outcome? Mm -hmm. It wasn't because you made a good decision. It wasn't because you were smarter. Like, I think, like, you know, I was talking to somebody about it one time. We were discussing this point, and, and it was like, no, I, like, I made a decision. Like, I, I made the right decision. And I'm like, ugh, like, cringe. Because I know that from my life, like, when God, God got a hold of me at 14, I know that, like, that was of him. Like, 14-year-old me, like, wanted to sit around my room watching things on the Internet I shouldn't have been watching. Like, and it wasn't wanting to read scriptures, and it wasn't wanting to watch, like, guys preach. It's things I shouldn't have been doing. Um, so God got a hold of me. And, yes, like, I've still, like, lived like a horrible, terrible sinner at times. Um, but he's continually s been sanctifying me uh, for his glory and his purpose. Um, but, like, your salvation is not dependent on yourself. And again, I think you're right, Simon. It 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 goes back to that, talking about these things. And, and, you know, I was going to say, um, if you if you are not there yet, don't don't just jump there, right? This is a. For, Michael said it was an easy uh, belief for him to I, embrace. I know, I'm, I'm so rare. For, on for, that. Yeah, very rare. I have a, another friend, Basil in Tennessee. He's the same way. He just swallowed all five points right off the bat, no problem. Yeah. Oh yeah, I see that here in the text. For me, it was a month long battle. So. If you're one of those people who just despises this doctrine, there, there is a beauty to it that you can see in the scripture. And I don't believe that uh, as a Calvinist five point, I'm on the defense anymore. I, I feel like other people have to defend their positions because there are the mo most sound and logical um, expositions from our side that I haven't heard any great explanations to on the other side. And, and so I married at the time an Arminian. So this we, we don't we want to show you that this is a charity this is a doctrine that we can show charity over right if you deny that christ is god hey that's a, that's a hill we will die on now we might die on this hill but we're not going to pull out the stakes to you know, you know yeah but, you're not removed from church right, membership so I, I married a yeah. woman who didn't believe this now she is she is there now uh because she sees the truth of it in scripture um, but if you're not there, that that's okay. Just study. Don't just take anything at face value. Do deep research. If you if you want to talk about this more in depth and even walk away and end up disagreeing, I would love to have that conversation with you because I had to go through this and I had to look at a lot of the arguments. Uh, the other thing is when the high priest went in to represent the people of Israel, he was not representing the other Hittites and Amorites. Yep. He wore 12 stones on his breastplate that represented the people of God. Amen. That's who he was representing. And when Christ died on the cross, he was representing vicariously, sacrificially, his people, not mm -hmm. the goats, but the sheep. 
Um, and and so, you know, this is whatever whatever objections you have. Oh, the, the evangelism or the justice of it. The scriptures are are pretty loud on those things that God is just and that He owed us nothing, like Simon pointed out. Um, but I, I think it's a beautiful doctrine. And and like I was, we we're watching uh, the Equalizer two with Denzel Washington yesterday. And there's this, you know, kind of like hood rat kid who's getting, you know, sucked into a gang. And Denzel comes in and starts busting everybody out, and he pulls the kid out. And the kid, kid said, "Why me? Like, why are you sparing me?" And Denzel's like, uh, "Why not?" And the kid's like, "But why me?" That's the Christian response. Is like, God, why? Why did you send your son to atone for my sin? Like, Doesn't why? Make sense. Why me? And that's the proper response. It's humility and glorifying God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no glory in self. Like, that right? have nothing right? to do with you. In fact, we are the least of of. Yes. Uh, yeah. So it's actually a humbling thing, right? Yeah, and and to your point about like wrestling with it, <clears throat> do wrestle with it. I think yeah. um, again, a lot of this goes into uh, we've got a lot of folks in America that have been Christians, have gone from church to church, whether or not it was right or wrong to leave the church or, you know, join another one. Um, but you've heard um, a lot of the opposition to what we're saying, like people who say Jesus died for everybody. So you've heard this all your life. So we don't expect you to just swallow it. I think that's why it was so easy for me. And maybe, maybe your friend too, I don't know his, his past, but like, I really didn't have like any like good, solid upbringing. I, I wasn't, these these doctrines weren't clicking with me like either side like i didn't hear them didn't embrace them didn't have enough information to, to even make same, a decision same with him so so for me the first thing i was exposed to was this and i'm like i see it in scriptures yeah. mm -hmm. i think with the other side it's i've heard it my whole life i've heard it my whole life mm -hmm. yeah. so for me i saw it in scriptures so like if you've just heard it like remember like even if you fall on the other side be ready to defend it yeah um mm -hmm. And again, like you could defend it at our church, not come to complete agreement with us, and still be a part of New Hill Church. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, like we're going to preach this because we see it. Again, Jesus' words, I think, are, are very telling to, to what he came to do with the design of his death, burial, and resurrection. That he says, I lay down my life for my sheep. Yes. Um, again, we're not saying don't go evangelize. Can't stress that enough. Right. But what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Redemption, salvation for his people. For his people, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those. And, and uh, one other fun, quick thing. I love it. One of one of my favorite responses. But but John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth. I'm like, buddy, whosoever is not a word in the Greek. It's the believing one. Mm -hmm. That the believing one might not perish. So be one of the believing ones, mm -hmm. and you won't perish. I think it's R. C. Sproul that. Um, when we preached through John, talked about that. He said he didn't love it, love the world enough to like forgive it. He loved it enough to send his son. Mm. So like even like reconciling it that way. Like again, that's why I went back to it. It's probably from him where I got that. Just he he loved it enough to give it away. Mm. And the way was for his people, but like the world saw that. Everybody now like looks at the life of Jesus. You see pictures of him everywhere. Like yeah. the obviously made up pictures, <clears throat> but well, but people people see and they know about the the man Jesus who lived and walked this this earth. Um, Christians see the the God man who died in their place. So like that's the difference of You know, I, I feel obligated to say this. Sorry, you sorry interrupted me. I did. I was I actually Thanks. was gonna do it earlier, Thanks, but then I'm like I actually better let him finish most actually. of the sentence. So so for those who who have fear and trepidation and doubt their salvation and you come to 
you know, grasp this truth from scripture, if you're wondering, well, how do I know if Jesus died for me? It, it's the same, same question of how do I know I'm elect? Or it's the question is, do you believe on Christ? Yes, I do. Well, then you, yeah, don't <laughs> he died for it. you. He, like the father is not, the father and the spirit are not working against the son. The father elected them. You know, the son redeemed them and the spirit seals them. Keeps so you, yeah, you, you have a yeah, yeah, multi-will God. Like right. you're going to get before God and be like, well, I went well, to church, prayed, believed in you. Like I did, I believed in you. And he's going to be like, I know you believed, but eh, hell. Th- think about it. If, like, if you were like me in Amarildi and my, one of my biggest objections uh, was. Every time well, you say that, I think fi- of Amarillo Sky or whatever. Like there's Armadillo. like some country sky. <laughs> no, Moses Amaras was like a 17th century semi-reformed guy who rejected this So you were an Amarillodite? I was an Amarildian. Amarildian. Um, and, you know... It, it, the big thing is the one will of God. So I believed, yes, the Father elected me and the Spirit regenerated me. Um, only, or I should say, the Father and the Spirit saved or planned to save a peculiar, particular people. But the Son died for everybody, and it's like that makes the God, the the members of the Godhead at odds with one another, right? Yeah. So Jesus is trying to save like Jesus is the more disobedient people. Son, yeah, like, he's trying came, to save like, more people than yeah. the Father and the Spirit, yeah. and that's that's atrocious to me. Well, yeah. and you got to remember, we we love to to put the Bible in the context. It says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life." For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Verse eighteen: Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already That's right. because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. When R.C. Sproul puts it in Second Peter, he's talking about um, that God is um, not quick to anger, that he's long-suffering toward us. Yes. So the context of that precedes what seems like a universalist text. Right. What he's speaking to, God is patient to us, yes. not willing that any should perish, any yeah, speaking us. of us should perish, but that all of us right. would come to redemption. It, know, it's, 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 it's in yeah. there, it's in the context of it. So all these universalist passages, they have to be put in context and then they have to be harmonized rightly with scripture, it's with just all, like, all rest of scripture. It's just like the deity of Christ. You can find verses like Jesus saying, the Father is greater than I, and then those who deny his deity are like, look, I mean, you can find, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say, if that's what you want to say. You, yeah. can, you could have it say, there is no God. Yeah, and then, idiot. and then you know, preceding that says the fool says in his heart there is no God. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah. So um, you 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 nailed it there, Simon. When it's talking about like all, um, yeah. You wish you had something to. I rub do. Your head <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm just scratching my head. And Mark's looking at my he's luscious got, head of hair. He's got hat hair. He points at hat his hair. He looks like Big Bird with his hair coming. <laughs> I'm out. getting a migraine from that light coming off the forehead. <laughs> so um, one of the things we forget too is that. The scriptures are for God's people too, right? Um, a lot of times we try and read it as like a non-believer, like a, the non-believer's perspective, which Paul says the word of God is what to those who are perishing, folly. The word of God. Oh, uh, the word of the cross. Yeah, yeah, that's foolishness. So, so like the scriptures don't make sense. Why? Because they weren't written for non-believers. They're right. written for believers. Yeah. Like that's why Paul didn't go out preaching like Genesis two. Like you know what I mean? Like right. yeah, I mean he talked about like the fall. But what I'm saying is like. He didn't go talking about like certain things because like it, things don't make sense like to the to the person who doesn't have the spirit. Yeah. Like we're able to discern the word of God because we are part of God's people. 
Right. So, like, when you're reading an epistle and it says, like, all, and, like, it says us, it's not saying, like, the world, like, Billy Bob down the street who doesn't know the Lord or, like, right. the people who just, like, committed a terrorist attack. Like, <laughs> the Word of God is for God's people. It also has a purpose. It also has a design for us to know Him and to glorify Him. He's revealed Himself through His Word, right? Yeah. So, like, when we're when we're going about, like, reading the Scriptures, you have to keep that in mind, too. Like, these epistles were written to uh, churches, and, and it was giving them uh, design and structure for how they ought to worship, the way they ought to worship, the way uh, they ought to live. Um, so, what you're saying, like, when it's talking about all, like, those are important things to note, too. Like, we, we, the believers, read the Word and go and carry it forth. Um, but I think we forget that a lot, like, when we're reading. Like, myself included. Like, I'll, I'll read something and want to make sense of it worldly. Um, but it's not meant to be that way. Think, all does not always mean all, by the way. It doesn't. And you world know, it's, doesn't it's, always mean every single human. Yeah. Is, are all here? All what? All students? All students in this building, in this classroom? Mm-hmm. How's everyone doing? So are you asking everyone in the world how they're doing? And that's why... Like another, you brought up Second Peter uh, three, three, eight and nine, which is great. Second Timothy two talks about Jesus giving Himself a ransom for all. All what? Well, if you if you look at the context, it's it's pretty clear. All sorts of different people, because He says that He wants prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving to be made for all people, and then He breaks them out for kings, all who are in high positions. Uh, and, and he breaks out these categories of people, and that's what he's talking about. You can be Jew, Gentile, tall, short, fat, skinny, black, white, and, and the, the gospel is offered to you, mm-hmm. and you are commanded to repent and believe. And that's the other thing, too, like with evangelism. So Jesus died for his people, but the gospel goes out to all the world. Right. Yes. Through who? Through the people of God. Right. We carry forth the gospel two people right like so you talk about like fair and and this is where I'm going to conclude and you guys can have your final thoughts on on this but like um, we carry forth the gospel message we are to go and to share um, this good news and the good news is that Jesus came and died so that you could be reconciled to the father how do you do that by believing in him right and that's it so you carry forth the gospel the gospel message is to go to all people right so like you have a command to do that um and then to those who um believe on him they they are saved right Mm -hmm. they can sit there and and gladly proclaim and have full assurance that christ died for them that's right yeah final thoughts yeah um yeah not to i know you went to the concluding but i I know just to hit on what mark was saying about all the word all and the word world um it's almost like if you're having a meeting of say 20 people or, or there's a certain number of people who got an invite to a meeting at work right and you don't begin the meeting without everyone there right and when everyone's there the officiators like okay well everyone's here does that mean that everyone's there no right right we're talking yeah. about in the context of right. that meeting so in the context of each of these letters and then harmonizing with scripture like I already said I'm just repeating myself but um, but then also yeah I guess as a concluding thought like I we want to be cognizant of the sensitive nature of these things that scripture clearly teaches because it's not easy for the for our minds to wrap around these spiritual matters but thankfully we do have the holy spirit to to help us to understand i mean this is stuff that divides churches it causes people to leave to attend or to leave a church and it also on an individual level i've seen it 
Um, I mean, it yeah. makes people cry. This stuff is very difficult to wrestle with, and so we're not unaware of that. Um, and and I would hope that in in this whole conversation, this isn't even the full extent of everything we could talk about, all the scriptures we could talk about. But I, I would hope that that this does help you to wrestle with these things, and that you wouldn't just give up and go based off of your feeling of what you always thought that the scripture teaches, but but that. Um, you know, if you look at Scripture in its totality, that this is very clear that this is what Scripture teaches, and, and it can be difficult, and we want to be aware of that, that it's sensitive, and it's, can, it can make you cry. I mean, I mean, even Pastor Gary talks about when he first heard it and realized that, that, that one of his, uh, I might be recalling this wrong, but one of his favorite preachers was teaching this. He, like, wanted to... R.C. Sproul. Yeah, yeah. R.C. Sproul, who's, a, who's awesome. He has some great explanations of this stuff. He's got um, even better ones now. Yeah, I, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, for sure in heaven. Um, but he wanted to chuck the radio out the window because he was so appalled and disgusted with, with his initial earthly reaction, because it, it's a spiritual thing to understand. So, I, I I'd say this. Look, if you if you're not sold on this, uh, go pick a fight with a Calvinist. Right? They say if you want a free lecture, pick a fight with a Calvinist. Michael's mocking me for my bad posture now, but I. <laughs> no, he's mocking me for no, my, my good No, my, my back hurts. My back hurts. We all lean into this mic. So then you guys can don't hear. Don't misrepresent the view, right? Make sure you fully understand it. There's a right. lot to discuss historically, theologically, contextually. So if, if you want to reject this, first make sure you can articulate it and all the argument, the predominant arguments, just as good as we can. Then you can reject it and tell us why, even if you're, you end up being inconsistent, and that's fine. That's what, that's why I try to do with doctrines I reject. It's, let me make sure I understand what you, you're saying or teaching. You're saying, and then I repeat back to them what they're teaching. Okay, great. Well, here's why I disagree with that. Yeah. So don't don't misunderstand us. Don't take us out of context. You know, we don't hate people. <laughs> we love people, and uh, we're not monsters. Uh, this this is something that church history has taught explicitly over and over and over from the world's greatest evangelists that many people have been saved through. And so um, Jesus taught this. Jesus taught this. Best prince of preachers, not just Charles Spurgeon, but Jesus taught this. Yeah. And and I would say like also don't let that initial like reaction to bucket off. Yes. Like to just be so repulsed. I mean, for goodness sake, give it time and effort. If anything, don't, you know, like the, these like emotional reactions that, that bubble up inside of it. It's like, just, right. just relax, yeah, give chill. it time and study and effort. And if you, if you come to the, the alternate conclusion, at, at least like what Pastor Mark just said, you've given it that effort. Yeah. Like what Simon has done with eschatology, you know, when yeah, I've, so I've told to the this, right thing, so this can be, this thing. can be controversial. Uh, another thing that can be controversial is new year's resolutions. Actually, we've got a pastor here that posted something controversial, uh, a year ago, uh, a year or two ago. Yeah, I think it was two um, years ago. <laughs> when pastor Simon, uh, made a, uh, a sarcastic joke about, uh, new year's resolutions, but, uh, the new year's approaching. A lot of you are looking for a new you and, uh, new ways, uh, to live. Uh, so I just want to take a little bit of time to talk about New Year's resolutions. First off, do you guys have any? I don't. Do not have any New Year's no. resolutions. I, I do. And that's okay. I do actually. I do. Oh, you do. It's not specific. 
So I used, I used to hate New Year's resolutions and then I warmed up to them. And the only reason I hate it is because the gym. Everybody was, you know, January, the whole gym is packed. February is Dude, back gyms to are about capacity. to get a ton of money. Yeah, yeah January is like they're banging one. months. So, so here, here's, here's uh, Jonathan Edwards wrote 70 resolutions. And this is the one that I like the best uh, of among few others. Resolved to act in all respects, both speaking and doing, as if nobody had been so vile as I, and as if I had committed the same sins or had the same infirmities or failings as others, and that I will let the knowledge of their failings promote nothing <clears throat> but shame in myself and prove only on occasion of my confessing my own sins and misery to God. So that is that is what I would like to do is to that. have humility, and I do believe we all in our hearts have the seeds of every conceivable sin. We have not committed many of them, mm -hmm. some of us, but to to see that I am the bad guy. When uh, Jonathan Edwards, when his parishioners would confess their sins to him, he would sit there and roll his eyes, and and some of them were adultery, murder, whatever. I mean, not murder, but there there were some pretty grievous sins. And he would think to himself, ugh, these are nothing in comparison to my sins, the sins of my heart. I'm worse than Satan himself. And so I think it's to view myself as the chief, chief of sinners mm -hmm. and then uh, not stay there, right? Move yeah. on from that in holiness. That's what to mine. do from that understanding? Yeah. Where does that turn you to? Where do we run to? Yeah. yeah. Right? Spur right. you to that. So the only thing I would say to it, we're actually talking about it this Sunday. Um, why we do good and like why do we seek to do good because I think when January rolls around it's like that's the time where I'm just gonna be a better person right mm. um, and the big thing to remember uh, really what first Corinthians 10 is it 31, 31. Uh, whether you eat drink whatever you do do it to the glory of God uh, so I would say whatever your resolution is I would do it to the glory of God now it could be to, to stop drinking pot but like why uh, you're probably looking for a healthier lifestyle, which is great. Like, you know, take care of your, your body. So I believe, you know, we've talked about this uh, with Pastor Gary, too. Is like, um, I come in super heavy on the, your body's a temple. That's like talking about sexual immorality, which it is in context. Um, but the, uh, the concept needs to be applied to all things. I, I do believe, now I, I don't think you should take that legalistically, um, but... You know, like if, if you're looking for a healthier lifestyle, why? Because it, it's your body. God wants to use you um, as his people, if he's died for you, um, to glorify his name and uh, to exalt the, you know, the name of Jesus. So That's good. whatever you do, I, I would tag on, I'm doing this so that God may be glorified. Yeah. Um, and you can use it as a witness. And it could be something as silly as like, I just want to be disciplined in, in my, my gym life, like going consistently, but why? Or playing less video games. Or playing I actually, more we're going to play more video games for the glory of God. Um, to think quickly in your dexterity. You weren't ready for so, that one. Somewhat, no. I, I, <laughs> some would <more>. disagree. <laughs> hey, let there me tell you something. You can, you can use video games as like an excuse and say I'm evangelizing, uh, but 100%, 100%, I have evangelized, um, and the guy, you know, I'm yeah. going to leave him nameless, but you got to, to meet him when we were playing games, yeah. and, you know, I've shared the gospel with him, um, and, you know, he's talked about, again, we just recently reconnected, 
talking about coming to church and everything. Uh, he'd love to visit. You know, he's dating a believer. So, like, it, it's a unique opportunity for sure. But, like, again, whatever you're doing, do it to the glory of God. So resolutions are not bad. But I would even say yeah. January is not magical. Right. Um, it's not a reset button. When, when you suck in January, which if you're like me and these guys, you're going to fail at whatever it is you're setting yourself up for. You're going to fail in some way. February is going to roll around. You can fix it. The day after, you can fix it. And as a believer, you can be assured that you are forgiven for whatever That's it right. is. So yeah. um, get back on track, whatever it is, but do everything to the glory of God. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like... But if you need that to kind of like that time of reflection over the past year, because we do care about numerical things in the calendar. Right. And so it is a time that, that a lot of people are just thinking about the past year. So if you need like a reason, like like Pastor Michael said, it's not a bad thing. It might just be a good time for you to be able to reflect, but know that there's like that calendar flipping to a two from a one is not like going to make you a better person just because right. you've decided so. The calendar doesn't flip from a two to a one. I'm talking about the last digit. It flips to a two. 2022. Two, 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 zero, two, two. Oh. Yeah, but it's still not going from a two to a one. <laughs> one to a two. Did I say two to one? I think so. We've got it on recording. We can go back. It's going to be 2022. You get the resolution. You get the point. It can be a good thing. You do more math than us. That's true. All percentage percentages. <laughs> Discount yeah. off list. Simon's job's full of crap. Yours is full of digits. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's a civil it's engineer, folks. Two. Literally Customers full are. of crap. It's actual sewage if you didn't get that joke. We hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have any questions about this episode or previous episode or about our relationship with Jesus, please go to newhilloh.com slash ask and send in whatever question so that we can help you grow in your faith. All right, church, go and honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom. God bless. Godspeed.